It's good to see you all this morning. Why don't you turn in the book of Ephesians uh, to chapter 1, and uh, I'll pray as we look at God's text this morning. Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you for a time to gather as your people, with your people. God, a time to gather around the proclamation of the good news of Jesus. God, I thank you that you have gathered us here. You have called us here by your grace. You have brought us here to hear a word from you, about you, for your glory, for our good. So God, now I pray that as we uh, continue in worship, as we've done through prayer and singing and reading and, and response together, Lord, I pray that now over the next few minutes as we open your scriptures uh, to the book of Ephesians, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit who inspired this text to be written, uh, God, would stir up our heart's affection and our mind's attention toward you. A God, that you would grant us wisdom and understanding of uh, the mystery of your will, of your, uh, who you are and what you've done for us. God, that you would empower our obedience as we walk away, uh, shaped more in the image and likeness of your son, Jesus, for your glory and our joy, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, uh, where we've been for a couple weeks and where we'll continue to be uh, for several weeks. We're going to start today in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we were the first to hope in Christ might also, um, might be to the praise of his glory. This is God's word. Friends in Christ, you were chosen by God to grow, to be more like his son Jesus. This is his purpose. This is his plan for you. And this is good news for us. The book of Ephesians teaches us about our identity in Christ. And Paul uses uh, numerous descriptors in the first chapter here to describe who we are in Christ and how we are in Christ to tell us what this new identity is. We've seen already in the first couple uh, weeks we've had together that in Christ we are faithful, in Christ we are saints, in Christ we are blessed And today we look at what it means to be chosen by God. Now there are numerous descriptors uh, in this chapter that we're going to be looking at over the coming weeks that kind of come out of what it means to be chosen. We've seen words like adoption, predestined, and and for his purpose. And so we're going to look at some of this today and we're going to continue more in the coming weeks because we see that God has a plan, he has a purpose to unite all things for his glory and for our good. And in so doing, we are called chosen by God in Christ. 
So when we look at scripture today, a couple words maybe jump out at you and um, words like uh, chosen and predestined and purposed. And, and when we look at these words, we have to see them in context of what Paul is writing to the Ephesian church. We can't just take this one word and just fly off the handle and try to figure out what it means. We need to look at the context in which God, uh, by his Holy Spirit, inspired Paul to write down in the scripture for our benefit today. And so when we look at the word predestined, it means to be foreordained or predetermined, uh, decided beforehand. And this gives us great news when we look at what it means to be chosen by God. We know that this is something that God has done before, uh, before time began. This is part of God's purpose, part of God's plan. For God to choose you is not an afterthought. For God to choose you as his child is not a reaction to anything you've done, good or bad. For God to choose you as his child has nothing to do with anything you have done. It stems back from his goodness. We've seen this the past couple weeks that God uh, makes us saints in Christ, makes us holy because of who Christ is and what he's done. We've seen that God blesses us because blessing comes from God's goodness, not our own. Likewise, today we see that, that God chooses us out of his goodness, not our own. God predestines us for something, and that something is to become more like Christ. This passage is rich, and, um, and so we are going to look at just a couple parts of it today as we continue. Today we're looking mainly what it means to be chosen by God. Being chosen by God is an action that God does that gives us a future security as his people, uh, something to look forward to, something to hope in for eternity, but also has implications for us here and now, what it means to be chosen as we grow to be more like Jesus, as we grow personally, as we grow together in community, as we grow with a mission of good news that, that God is redeeming all things through Christ. So over the next few minutes, I want to look at this. Being chosen by God means that you are God's child. Being chosen by God means you are part of God's family. And being chosen by God means that we together are part of God's redemptive story. And this is good news. So first, let's look what it means to be chosen in Christ, that, that we are God's child. I mean, we see in verse 4, well, let's look at verse 3 and, and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Friends, being chosen in Christ means that you are God's child, that God in Christ chose you to be his child. We see that in Psalm 24, the psalmist writes, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. So hundreds of years before the time of Jesus and hundreds of years before the uh, book of Ephesians was even written, we see that the psalmist proclaimed that God made everything, God owns everything, that, that, that the earth belongs to the Lord and everything in it and everyone who dwells on the earth belongs to the Lord. So how does this fit with being chosen in Christ? We, we see that the whole universe was created by God, for God. It's God's doing. It's for his glory. It's for uh, whatever he wants to do with. He made everything out of nothing and said, this is mine. And the psalmist proclaims, everything is the Lord's and everyone who dwells on the earth belongs to God. Including you. 
you belong to God. And in Christ, you have been chosen to be his child. Scripture tells us that by nature, we are not uh, children of blessing. We are children of wrath. We, uh, in our human nature, rebel against our creator, rebel against God. But in Christ, God has chosen us to be his children. Many of you guys know that my wife and I, uh, thankfully, we have four children, and, and there are many people in this room that are expecting uh, to have babies, and that's really exciting. When you are planning for the birth of a baby, like right when you find out you were pregnant, you, you start doing things right away to prepare for the baby's arrival, right? I mean, like right away, you're like, oh my goodness, we're going to have a baby. We need to get a stroller. We need to get a car seat. And months before the baby comes, you start planning stuff, and you're thinking, well, we need to figure out, is it a boy or a girl? Because uh, we've got to paint the nursery, and so weeks before the baby's even born, you're, you're doing things to prepare beforehand this great place for your child. You spend time painting the nursery pink or blue or yellow or gray. We paint it as cool gray in our nursery for our babies. You start assimilating things that are needed to bless your child even before you get to hold your child. And you dads know what it's like. I mean, you don't get to carry the baby, so you just can't wait to hold your child. And, and, and for months in advance, you're doing things to prepare for the arrival of your baby. So when your child arrives, you can hold your son or daughter and say, I've done all of these things in advance for you. And you walk your baby into the nursery and say, look, this is what I did. Hey, you're three days old. Look at this nursery I painted, right? You can appreciate this gray hue on your walls, right? You, you put the baby in the crib and say, look at this cool little padding I got for you. And babies, when they're just a few weeks, even a few months old, even a few years, don't always appreciate what you've done for them. But in the end... Because you're a loving father or a loving mother, you have done amazing things beforehand for the good of your baby, right? Likewise, God in Christ has planned beforehand our good. Scripture tells us here in verse 4 that um, he has chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That means before God created everything out of nothing, before he founded the very soil that we walk on and the sky that we look at, and, and before we were born, God has planned and purposed things for his glory and our good. That's what scripture tells us, that Jesus in Christ, we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So Paul is writing to this young church at Ephesus, this young church that is living in a, in a highly political culture, a highly uh, commercial culture, a highly pagan culture in the first century. Uh, they're, they're, it's occupied by the Roman Empire and they have a Greek and Roman uh, culture infiltrated there. It's a highly non-Jewish uh, community that becomes Christian. And Paul writes to them saying, look, before God created anything, he chose you. For the Christians in the church at Ephesus who had a background in, in, in Jewish culture and they understood the Old Testament, they understood that this is part of God's redemptive plan that gen, to generations before the first century, God had promised to bless the world through his people. If we look back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2, God is promising to Abraham this. He says, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heavens and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. 
So you see, hundreds of years before, God had promised that through his people, namely Abraham and his offspring, through his line, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Look what happens in Acts chapter 3. This promise is fulfilled in Christ. You were the sons of the prophets in the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. So you see that, that God had promised for generations that through his people's line, all the nations of the world would be blessed. God makes good on that promise in and through the person and work of Jesus. In the book of Acts, we see that, that God had raised up Jesus to, to turn God's people from their wickedness. And Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 1 that in Christ we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Friends, I don't know how to make this sink into you. But look around outside, look at the sky, look at the soil, look at people around you, look at history. God chose you. God chose you to be his son. God chose you to be his daughter. God chose you to make you become more like Christ. The purpose by which, uh, for which he chose you was to become more like his son Jesus. So this is good news for us, knowing that in Christ, chosen in Christ means that we, we are a child of God. This is not something we strive for. This is something we embrace and live in. So friends, you do not have to work hard to try to win God's approval. Let me tell you, when my babies were born, they had my approval. They pooped on me, they peed on me, they threw up on me. I love them. They're my babies. They don't have to work for my approval or acceptance. In Christ, you do not have to work for God's acceptance or approval. You are his child. Embrace that good news. Think about the many ways that we try to earn God's approval. We try to earn God's acceptance. Good works, good education, good religious tradition, good moral living. You can't earn God's approval or acceptance of you because the good news is that in Christ, he has chosen you to be his child. And that's good news for us personally, right? But secondly, being chosen in Christ means that you are part of God's family. I mean, God doesn't just save you to be like a lone child. Like you're not God's only child, right? You're not like God saved you. Now you go sit in the corner and wait for heaven. Not at all. The good news is that being chosen in Christ means you are part of God's family. God takes us from isolation to community. Many of you guys know that I went to school here, and so every time I walk into this room, I can just have memories of who got sick over there and how I got beat up right on the other side of that wall right there, walking home from school one day with a friend of mine, just right there. I can actually see the spot there. And back in the day, we used to play kickball. Anybody play kickball? Raise your hand. Yes, you did. Cool sport. We're going to start a kickball team. No, we're not, but maybe we should. Right back here, right back here, there's a big baseball, not a big, a small baseball field, uh, that you guys see. We used to play kickball back there when I was in elementary school. And you know the game of kickball and how you get two captains and everybody lines against the fence. And, you know, if you're a really good kickball player, you're one of the first to be picked on the team. Well, I was this tall, goofy, lanky guy, right? I could kick the ball really far, but undoubtedly, if I was running somewhere between second and third base, I would fall and trip because I was just this goofy, lanky kid, right? And so I wasn't always the first picked in kickball. 
but whoever picked me ended up winning, just so you know. But I wasn't always the first picked in kickball, so some of you guys know the game of kickball is brutal, right? You have, a, you have two captains that, that are either fighting for you because, because you're so good, they're going to fight for you, or you're really not that good, so nobody wants you. And then as people get picked off, you're the last kid on the fence, and if it's an odd number of people, then you're just left out. But if it's an even number of people, somebody gets stuck with you. Right? The game of kickball is brutal for elementary school kids because it's based on performance. If you're a good kickball player, you belong. You're accepted. You're on the team. If you stink at kickball, just go over there and play on the monkey bars so we can make fun of you later, right? It's bringing up some scars for me. <laughs> but the good news is that being chosen in Christ not only means that you are a child of God, it's an identity you have. It also means that you are part of his family. It's a community you are welcomed into. That in Christ you have a new identity as a son and daughter of God, son or daughter of God. But in Christ you are part of a new community. You are part of God's family. And it's not based on your performance. It's based on Christ's performance for you. This is why Paul writes very clearly that even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. You see, the in him is so important for the whole book of Ephesians. Paul has written at the very beginning, he says, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. The only way we are saints, the only way we are faithful is if we are in Christ Jesus. Again in verse 3, he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ. The only way we are blessed by God is that we are in Christ. Likewise, we are chosen from the foundation of the world in Christ. If Christ is not the, the center of this, then we miss everything. It's not the gospel. You are not chosen based on your good works. You are not chosen based on your good merit. You are not chosen because you were just so handsome and God knew thousands of years ago, I need that handsome dude in my family. No, God chose you in Christ, blesses you in Christ. You are a faithful saint in Christ. Chosen in Christ means not only you are personally adopted as a son or daughter, but that chosen in Christ means you are part of God's family. You are part of the community of faith. We see in 1 Peter 2.9, Peter writes, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. A people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Likewise, Paul writes in Titus 2, Verse 13 and 14, that we are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people, not a person, not a collection of isolated individuals, but a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. You see, friends, the good news is that being chosen in Christ, chosen by God in Christ, is that we are, we are part of God's family. So look around you. This is not a room full of isolated individuals. This is a room filled with brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of us don't know each other yet. Let's get to know each other. Brother, sister, right? In Christ, we are part of God's family. We know that the purpose that God has for us to choose us is so that we would become more like Jesus being chosen by God in Christ is not because we have, we've already arrived with some uh, wonderful identity and, and merit to, to show the Lord, but God has chosen us so that he can shape us to be 
a people for his own possession, so he could redeem us, so he can change us and transform us, not only personally, but corporately, as a community of faith. And this is important for us, a church uh, like ours that's fairly young, uh, just a few years old, uh, not huge. God has a purpose for us in each other's lives. Do you realize that when we gather together, the point for our gathering is not only for you individually to, to worship, but that you would worship together with your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? The purpose for our gathering is not only so that you would hear the word of God preached personally, that's part of it, but so that also we would be used in each other's life uh, by God in Christ to shape us to be more like Jesus. Otherwise, we could just sit home and podcast any other preacher in the world. We can sit at home and listen to any worship MP3 or CD that you have. But see, God has a purpose because he is redeeming not only individuals, that's part of it, but corporately, a gathering, a community of God's people, a family. So here at Redemption Church, we do this in different ways. We, it's vital that we gather to worship together like this on Sundays, but also we have missional communities, a time to, to have life-on-life life expression of this good news in people's homes and in neighborhoods. Right? It's vitally important that we gather together uh, corporately like this, but also in homes. We have DNA groups, it's discipleship, nurture, and accountability. Those are important because being a disciple, being chosen by God, being a child of God is not just, it's not, you can't do it on your own. God has placed you in my life for my good, that I may grow more like Jesus. God has placed you in each other's lives so that you can grow more like Jesus. God uses us in each other's lives. And may we not forget that gatherings together like this or missional communities or DNA groups or just casual friendships with other believers exist for God's glory and our good, right? You good? So being chosen in Christ means that you are a son and daughter of God. That being chosen in Christ means that together we are part of God's family. And being chosen in Christ, thirdly, means this, that we are part of God's redemptive story. Now, this is huge. God does not save individuals only, but he saves individuals to be part of the family, the community. God saves communities not only just to be communities that have been uh, saved and chosen by God, but God saves individuals and communities to be part of God's redemptive story. This is why I like reading the Bible. As you can see from beginning to end, there are people that are, uh, you know, there's, no, there's only one hero in the Bible. His name's Jesus. But everybody else messes everything up. And this gives me great hope when you read Genesis all the way to Revelation. You're like, wow, this guy's just killing it. Look at that sermon he preached and he denies Jesus. Huh, that's great. Or, or you're like, wow, look at that guy. He's like leading everybody out of, you know, thousands of people out of exile and, or out of, you know, to the promised land. And then he like doesn't even get to go in because he disobeys God. What in the world? People right and left are, are blowing it. And all the while God is saying, I'm redeeming that person, that family, that community, those people for my glory, for their good, and that the good news of Jesus may go forth. Friends, in Christ, you are part of that redemptive story. Read the Bible. You are part of this story. We are part of God's redemptive story. This is great because when we look in here, um, Paul says that um, he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Verse 5, he predestined us for adoption through Christ according to the purpose of of his will. 
Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. Verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things under heaven and on earth, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. You see, time and time again in this passage, you see that God predestined, they foreordained that before the foundation of the world, he chose for us in Christ to be his children, to be his community. And part of that is to be part of his redemptive plan, his purpose. The word purpose here means, it really means good pleasure. It means that God's purpose is not only like a thing he wants to happen, but it's something in which he will delight that brings him glory. And in turn, as his children, we get a lot of joy out of it. And so to be part of God's redemptive plan means not only that we are recipients of blessing, that we've been chosen to be sons and daughters of the king of the universe, but we have the responsibility to partake, to participate in God's good pleasure of of redemptive, joyful redemption to the world. I mean, look at what he says here in verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose, the good pleasure of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Wow, this is great. So God chooses you to be his son. God chooses you to be his daughter, not to leave you isolated, but to gather you into his family, his community of people. Why does he do that? So that we would become more like Christ together, being part of his redemptive plan on mission with this good news, that in Christ, God is, is uniting all things. to This will just blow your mind. You're like, well, look at the broken world we live in. Yeah, God's going to fix that. In Christ, that will be repaired one day. And you know what? We are part of God's redemptive story, which means we have a role in that. We have a great opportunity as we become more like Jesus who saves us to be part of God's redemptive story. Have you guys seen the movie The Goonies? That's an awesome movie. It comes on TV now, now and again, which just brings me great joy. I mean, anytime you got 80s on the TV, you know it's like a God event, right? The movie The Goonies was one of my favorite movies as a kid. And if you're familiar with the story, it's about a, so- a group of social outcasts who go on a treasure hunt. It doesn't get any cooler than that. Some of you guys are going to beat me up on the kickball field after this. I can just hear it already. It's a great story about a group of nerds, a group of outcasts, a group of kids who don't really fit into society, and they stumble across a treasure map, right? They're going after One-Eyed Willie's rich stuff, they say, throughout the movie. But there's a reason for that. They, they have bonded together because they, uh, they have a purpose and a mission. Their goal, their hope is that they would find this treasure and be able to pay off the land developers that are about to tear down their neighborhood and set up a golf course. It's a very deep story. You guys need to rent this movie. You know, so you got a group of outcasts who are like, dude, our house is about to be, our house, our whole neighborhood's about to be destroyed and a golf course is gonna be there. Nothing wrong with golf, but our house is gonna be gone. We have a mission. We need to save this on our own. And so these poor guys are, are going to save their neighborhood from destruction by finding buried treasure. That really has nothing to do with the gospel. I don't know where they came from. That's not even funny. Okay, so what happens Likewise, in Christ, we have been united for a common purpose, a common mission, 
right? God is going to redeem his planet. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord and everything in it. The people who dwell therein belong to God. God is going to redeem this planet. God is going to redeem his people. You as a son and daughter of God in Christ have part in God's redemptive plan, God's redemptive purpose, God's redemptive good pleasure. We've been put on a mission like a bunch of goonies going after pirate treasure to save a neighborhood. In the end, God's going to do the saving, but he uses his people in part of that process. We saw already in Titus 2, 13 through 14, that as we wait for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. If you belong to Jesus, you have been purchased to be zealous for good works. Likewise, in 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Awesome. Why? that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Friends, we mustn't miss this. This is, I'm just going to say it, I don't even care. This is what's wrong with church culture in Augusta, Georgia, is that they say, you are loved by God. Yes, you are. You are God's child. Yes, you are. You are part of God's community. Yes, you are. Now go home. Really? It's what's called the short-sighted gospel. It's like God saves you. Yes, he does. You are God's child. Yes, you are. You are God's people. Yes, you are. All of that is true. And why? You got to read the subject predicate of the sentence here. Titus 2 says all of those things. You belong to Jesus. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. You are God's people. Amen, amen. I will echo that proclamation. And also read the rest of the sentence that says, you are God's people so that you will be zealous for good works. If we are not being zealous for good works, I'm not really sure we're operating in the identity of being a son or daughter or a community of God. Okay? Okay? I'm just going to read 1 Peter 2.9. Don't argue with me, argue with Jesus. Okay, this is what Jesus says through the Apostle Peter. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Oh, that's so good. A people for his own possession. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Friends, let me plead with you. The reason God has made you his son or daughter, the reason God has gathered us to be his family, his community of faith, is so that you, plural, you, plural, I'm part of you, we, plural, may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Are we doing that? Do we even care? God has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's some good news we need to talk about, is it not? Everybody's Twitter and Facebook better be blowing up this afternoon. I'm checking. Not really. Friends, this is such good news that we, we can become, one author and pastor says we can become inoculated to the gospel. Like, yeah, this is great news. What's for lunch? You know what I mean? We can become inoculated to the gospel that we just, it, it, we're just so used to hearing it that we almost just become numb. Friends, this is such good news. You are a son and daughter of the king. We are God's family. This is good news that we need to proclaim. Because we live in a world that says, if you want to be a son or daughter of God, I mean, some people just say, you, there's no way you can be a son or daughter of God. You're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. And so people despair and give up and say, oh, I can never be a son or daughter of God. Other people get 
part of the gospel, which is like, hey, you can be a son or daughter of God. Yes, I want to do better. I want to try harder. I want to be a son or daughter of God. I will do whatever it takes. But the beauty of the gospel is that before the foundation of the earth, God chose you because he is good. God chose you to be his son. God chose you to be his daughter. That's what the Bible says. I'm not saying this. The Bible says it. I'm just trying to do 1 Peter 2, and I'm just trying to proclaim the excellencies. God, in Christ, chose you. And together he has gathered us to be his awesome, dysfunctional family for his glory and our good, that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So friends, in conclusion, I'll say this. If you are here today and you aren't a Christian, you don't know Jesus, I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know that in your sin, there is nothing you can do to dig yourself out and make yourself a son or daughter of God. You can't. Here's the good news. In Christ, you are a son and daughter. In Christ. Not in religion, not in good works. In Christ, you are a son of the king. You are a daughter of the king. That's good news, ladies and gentlemen. Likewise, I want us to know that in Christ, we are a gathered community of faith. We are a family. Friends, families aren't perfect. Families are far from perfect. Families don't bail when things get hard. When sin hits, families don't dip out. They cling together. They apply the gospel. So, In Christ, we're a new community. And so I want to charge you this, wherever you are in the spectrum of faith, not a believer, new believer, long-time believer, church member, not a church member, I don't care. You're here, and we love you, and I want you to hear this good news, is that in Christ, we are a community of family. And so it is my hope and prayer that together, through, um, through relationships that we're building, through worship gatherings, missional communities, DNA groups, just hanging out, frisbee, soccer, playing soccer, kickball, that we would be applying this good news. I mean, to, apply, to proclaim the excellencies of Christ can be done, yeah, a dude on the stage yelling about it, but also over lunch today. Think about this. How about this week you meet with somebody in this room that you trust and just say, look, I need to unveil to you a sin that I have been carrying around some guilt, some just nasty guilt I've been just trudging along with right now. I need to talk to you about that. How about you do that? You risk that with a brother and sister in Christ. And then you on the receiving end who hears it, don't say, holy cow, and like run away. But you can say, look, let me apply the gospel. In this moment over coffee, let me proclaim the excellencies of Christ who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In Christ, you are no longer, you are no longer held captive by the sin of gossip. That's happened here lately. And if you were a participant in gossip, in Christ, you are no longer in that darkness. Christ has called you out of the darkness of gossip into his marvelous light to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. Don't proclaim gossip. Proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. In Christ, you are no longer subject to abuses and addictions of drugs, alcohol, porn. That's not you. As a child of God, he chose you. He has called you out of that darkness. So don't walk in that darkness anymore. Proclaim the excellencies of Christ. 
Imagine what would happen as we as a gathering of brothers and sisters in Jesus proclaim the excellencies over one another, become more like Christ in so doing. That's what God chose us before the foundation of the world. It's not just because we're all that and a bag of chips, but because God's going to use us together to make, our, make each other more like Jesus. Man, this is exciting. I'm excited. Two of you are excited out there. This is great. And lastly, does my hope and prayer is that we would not be apathetic with this good news. Because God has not called us individually, he's called us in community. Likewise, God has not called us in community just to go huddle in the corner and say, hey, we, we're chosen. We're chosen over here, because you're wondering. We're going to hang over here, we're going to be chosen for a while, and when we get done being chosen, we'll just still be chosen. Okay, you go play on the monkey bars, because we're playing kickball over here, right? That's not what it means to be chosen by God. Being chosen by God means you have, you have been entrusted with the good news of Jesus. <laughs> That's a huge responsibility. So, what are we going to do with that good news, right? We're going to proclaim the excellence. It's my hope and prayer that we as a gathering of believers and non-believers and not yet believers and new believers and veteran believers, that we as a church called Redemption Church would be shaped more like Jesus because we are obeying what it means to walk in the identity of being a son and daughter chosen by God in community, on mission. Is that good? Let me pray. Let me pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, thank you for a time with, uh, with friends, with our church family. God, thank you for an opportunity to hear the good news that in Christ we have been chosen God, we've not been chosen by merit, thank God, but we've been chosen because uh, you are good and because Christ has redeemed us. And God, thank you that we have been chosen not to be isolated, but God, we've been chosen to be part of your community of faith, your church from all generations, from centuries past and years in the future and all over the globe that you have gathered us to be your people, that we may together be coming more like your son Jesus who has saved us. And God, likewise, that you have gathered us, you have called us, you have chosen us not only uh, to be more like Jesus in, in identity, but also in action. God, that you have called us to transform us, to be holy and blameless, and, but also to be part of your redemptive story to restore all things to yourself. God, we can't do that, but you can. And God, miraculously, you use your people to do that. And so God, I pray that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us passion, that we would be zealous for good works like your scripture says, that we would proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into marvelous light. God, for those in this room who are still in darkness, who have not been called out of light, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit and the good news of Jesus revealed to us in Scripture, God, I pray that you would call them out of darkness into your marvelous light. God, please do that. Call them out of darkness into your marvelous light. And God, for those of us who have been called out of darkness into your marvelous light, God, thank you. May we rejoice with great joy, with great zealousness to be on mission, doing good works for your glory and our joy. God, that you indeed would continue to restore all things to yourself. And God, that along the way, we would be becoming more and more like your son, Jesus. And that more and more people would hear this good news, that we would proclaim it in word and deed and action. God, do something 
ridiculously magnificent for your glory and our joy. We beg you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we're going to...